Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello and welcome to The Bunker USA with me, Andrew Harrison. Florida. I've only ever been once and that was for a layover on a flight connection. But the Sunshine State looms ever larger in our political consciousness. It's not just the pugnacious Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his goal of out-trumping Trump with a war on woke in schools, his don't-say-gay legislation and his aggressive campaign to make Florida the freest state in America. It's not even Florida's shift from a Republican-Democrat swing state to an increasingly right-wing and combative loudocracy. In fact, it's the deep strangeness of the place, from the marginal lives identified by writers like Harry Cruz and Carl Hyerson to those infamous Florida Man headlines. Florida Man bites head off Python. Florida Man wears fuck the police shirt to court. Florida Man charged with assault with deadly weapon after throwing alligator through window of Wendy's. There are more. Florida is unlike anywhere else in America, and increasingly it looks like it will play a big role in determining the country's future. The size of Florida's workforce, for instance, exceeded that of New York for the first time ever last year. So why is Florida so strange? I'm joined by Florida man Craig Pittman, a proud resident <laughs> of the Sunshine State and the author of The State You're In, Florida Men, Florida Women and Other Wildlife. He's been a columnist on the Tampa Bay Times and the Florida Phoenix. He's also written Oh Florida, How America's Weirdest State Influences the Rest of the Country and Manatee Insanity, Inside the Wall over Florida's Most Famous Endangered Species. Hello, Craig. It's good to meet you. Which part of Florida are you in at the moment? I'm in the relatively sane part, but that, that you know, that shifts a lot. Okay. <laughs> where, where is that? St. Petersburg, Florida. We're, we're near Tampa, near the home of new retiree Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so, sounds good. So let's cut to the chase. Why is Florida so weird? Well, there are several reasons. One of the big ones is that we went from being the least populated southern state in 1940 to becoming the third most populous state in 2014. We actually surpassed New York. And the number of people who live here, they come from every kind of imaginable background. They're, you know, people who have been monkey breeders, spam kings, python sellers, Scientologists in uniform, circus performers. And you put all those people together and and bear in mind, they're not evenly spread over the whole peninsula. Mm. They're kind of crammed into that 30 mile wide swath along the coast and along Interstate 4 where Disney World is. So you put that many people from that many diverse backgrounds together in that small a place and it, they're bound to start ramming into each other's cars and chasing each other with machetes and arguing over whose dog pooped on whose lawn. We're not that far from having been a frontier state either. We didn't have a law requiring ranchers to fence off their cattle until 1949, well after the rest of the West had done that. And so there's still that sort of, you know, cowboy element to our society and our politics, that that sense of, you know, we want to be free 
And for us, free means you can't do what you want to do. You have to do what I want. And one of the other major factors, well, two other major factors. One is, and I actually checked with a distributor on this. We actually sell more machetes here than any other state. I thought they were just giving them away at the state line with cups of orange juice, but apparently they're, they're actually selling them. And we are consistently ranked 49th among the 50 states in spending on mental health treatment right. for people with mental problems, to which I can only say thank God for Texas. Yeah. So essentially 20 million people blasted by the sun, crazed by humidity and crammed in a 30 mile strip surrounded by alligators. Mm-hmm. What can possibly go wrong? Yeah, exactly. And and bear in mind, too, that six months out of the year, we're under threat from hurricanes. Mm. We have more sinkholes that happen here than anywhere else. We have more shark bites than anywhere in the world, including Australia. I think because we taste so good, but that's just me. <laughs> we're the most vulnerable to sea level rise, too, because most of the state is flatter than Kansas. Mm. So you bear that in mind. You, you think about, you know, the state is constantly trying to kill us. So there's there's the sense of live for today and don't worry about the consequences. But of course, there are consequences. Is there also something to do with the kind of transience of the place in that, it, you know, stuff keeps getting knocked down? I think you said in the book that after a while, you feel like the kid in the sixth sense who's constantly seeing things that aren't there. Yes. Well, that's that's for the that's true for those of us who are natives. You know, you you grow up here and there are things that you you see that nobody else sees because they're not there anymore. You know, the the, oh, that used to be a grove of pecan trees. And then they tore that down to build a shopping mall. And then the shopping mall died and they tore that down to build an apartment complex. But the apartments didn't work out. And so now it's a uh, you know, now it's a, a place for for warehouses for rent. And, you know, who knows, tomorrow it'll be a parking lot. But it'll never go back to being a pecan grove, unfortunately. Mm. Do Floridians recognize their weirdness? Do they do they revel in it? Uh, some do. Uh, I have many friends who, like me, are, are natives who uh, they know that every time there's a big national story, there's going to be a Florida angle to it. <laughs> and they're just praying, oh, God, oh, God, please don't let there be Florida. And of course, there's Florida. But I say embrace that, uh, you know, em- embrace that that sense of uh, how special we are and revel in it, flaunt it. Let your Florida freak flag fly. This happens over and over again. You know, we, we had a major major league baseball doping clinic problem and the clinic turned out to be in Florida. You mentioned about Governor DeSantis. He the two leading candidates for to run for Republic the Republican nomination for president in 2024 are both in Florida. Uh, he and Trump are both here in Florida. You know, there's always a big national connection. You may have seen the story recently about the woman who was in New Jersey who was prevented from boarding the plane because she was carrying an emotional support peacock. I did say that, yes. The peacock was from Florida. Of course it was. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about DeSantis in a bit, but before that, you know, the place is famously a melting pot. You know, Cubans, Haitians, New York Jewish people, every uh, ethnic group going. I also read somewhere mm-hmm. that uh, it, the difference between the rest of the South is, is palpable. You know, somebody said, the farther north you go, the farther south you get. It's a founding myth or idea to Florida, the way, you know, New York has poor and huddled masses and California's got where other pioneers. Does Florida have its kind of self-mythology? Yes, that we're a low-tax state, mm. primarily because back in the back in the 1920s, during the big land boom of the 1920s, the legislature got rid of the state income tax. So there's no state income tax in Florida, which people think, oh, that's great. I can move down there and live cheaply. No, no, you can't, because, of course, they have to make up the money somehow. So instead, we've got a huge sales tax. We got little taxes on all kinds of other things you, you can't you can't even imagine. The cost of living is incredibly high. I believe we now have the highest cost of living in America. 
because our our housing costs are so high and our property insurance costs are so mm-hmm. high. And our leadership just refuses to engage with those things. They, they would much rather fight about drag shows in Disney World. Well, I, I have to ask you before we go into Ron DeSantis, tell me about the mermaids who are on the state payroll. Oh, yes. Yes. That, one of my favorite topics. Yes. Florida has a state park system that has won national awards four times. It's the only state so honored. And we do have an amazing state park system. We've got you know, these beautiful 40 foot tall sand dunes at Topsail Hill up in the Panhandle. We've got the Florida Cavern State Park, where which goes deep underground. There, There's Falling Water State Park with a, a, a waterfall. And of course, we have Wikiwachi Springs, where there are mermaids on the state payroll. The, the, that used to be one of those classic Florida roadside attractions where you could pull in. This started in 1947. You could pull in and pay the money and go sit in an underwater theater and watch these mermaids swim around and wave at you. And business was really good there until around 2000 when it started to tail off. To its credit, the state, rather than let it be sold to a water bottler or developer, stepped in and bought the attraction and turned it into a state park. Because the spring is actually quite lovely. There's a a recreation area for kids and the mermaids continue to put on their their water show for, for the tourists. Now, this is the fact that the state, they're now state employees, has led to some interesting conversations about the use of tax dollars to pay for waterproof lipstick and shell bras. But, you know, I think that's part of the charm of the whole thing. So no socialized medicine, but you do have socialized mermaids. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely correct. There's another uh, state park, by the way, where uh, they actually, you know, the, the state park system is a great place to see the natural native landscape here and a lot of the native animals. Plus, in uh, Homosassa Springs, there's also a, a hippopotamus who was part of a roadside attraction. And when the state bought that uh, roadside attraction, people were such big fans of the hippopotamus. They petitioned the state to keep the hippo rather than kick it out like they would do with other non-native species. And so the governor actually declared the hippo to be a, a citizen of Florida. So Lou the hippo is an official citizen of Florida. <laughs> So talkative uh, Florida wildlife, I want to talk about Ron DeSantis, who could... <laughs> He's pretty wild. Yeah, he could, <laughs> he could actually be the first Florida man wins presidency story, probably while denouncing a gay alligator, because Trump obviously is an incomer. <laughs> He's a New Yorker, not actually a Florida man. We did a whole edition on DeSantis a while ago. Give me your picture, as someone who's there on the ground, of why DeSantis has become so successful within Florida. Well, he's a he's a sort of a classic Florida character. He's he's a con man. He is selling everyone a bill of goods. You know, we've got these major problems in Florida with affordable housing and with property insurance rates. We've got a major water pollution problem, which has actually killed off a record number of manatees. He's not dealing with any of that stuff. He instead he's saying, you know, look over there, look at the whole problem with public school teachers indoctrinating their students to become gay and. And also there's critical race theory being taught in the schools, which it's not. And, uh, and you know, Disney, we, we need to get Disney under control. And so these are the issues he's become known for. They've certainly got him on Fox TV mm. and, and got him reelected by a large margin. And, you know, that's working for him, but it's certainly not working for the state of Florida. We did a little mini cast on the, uh, the horrible situation in Florida libraries where shelves are being stripped of books because they have to be checked by an accredited media expert before they're fit for the kids under new legislation. I have no idea what an accredited media expert is. What's happening <laughs> there? 
well, I think this is actually a, a brilliant move to get people to get get a lot of kids to read books uh, because mm. I know I know the ones that we weren't supposed to read are the ones I went after. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and so I suspect there'll be a huge backlash to this. Uh, and, you know, it's again, it's trying to distract everyone, trying to divert everyone from the serious problems the state has by instead focusing on, oh, we have to worry about the kids. We have to keep protect the children and hmm. keep them from reading anything that would, you know, turn them, turn their heads away from the, the straight and narrow. Meanwhile, of course, what's on the Internet? You know, what's on television? What's on cable TV? Mm-hmm. Nobody's regulating any of that stuff. That's, you know, and that's where the kids are focused. But now that they're now that they're uh, taking these books off the shelves, I bet the kids will be like, hmm, I wonder what they're trying to keep us from seeing. So they're going after those. I'm hoping they'll ban one of my books, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's unlikely your books are going to be allowed in schools in the first place, isn't it? Maybe the manatee <laughs> one, I don't know. I mean, look, Florida used to be a red-blue swing state. It used to decide yeah. elections. I'm old enough to remember hanging chads and stuff like that. Obama won Florida twice. What happened? How, how did Florida start to lurch to the right? I think a big factor is the is the fact that even though we've had an even divide among Republican and Democratic voters, the Democrats have put forward all these exploding cigar candidates who, you know, screwed up at the last minute somehow or failed to work the the public the way they should. A friend of mine, Billy Corbin, likes to say uh, the Democrats never miss a chance to miss a chance. Mm-hmm. So um, they put forward a, a candidate in 2018 who very nearly defeated Ron DeSantis. There was an, the margin was so narrow between them. There was an automatic recount mm. and DeSantis won. And so you would think they would have taken that as a, as a signal to come back at him strong this past year. And instead they kind of blew it. You know, the, the national democratic party said, Oh, we're not going to devote any money to that. And it's like, well, don't you want to stop DeSantis before he runs for, for higher office? Apparently not. And the other thing you have to bear in mind about Florida elections is every election, you have a new electorate. We have between 900 and 1,000 new people a day moving into Florida. Most of them don't know what they're getting into. They don't know the background. They don't know anything about the candidates. And so when they step into the voting booth, they have no prior conception about who's in office, what kind of a job they've done, anything like that. And so you get people who are making decisions based on the TV commercials, based on what one of their neighbors might have said to them. And some of them are just completely clueless about what, you know, about what's going on. So that's that's a big factor as well. Yeah. It's not just DeSantis, who's one of your key political experts as well. You've also got Matt Gates. Like, what do we need to know about this fella? Uh, well, he have you ever seen the movie The Truman Show? Yes. He grew up in that house. What? He grew up in the house used as the setting for the Truman Show. He, his, his dad was a very powerful state senator and actually bought that house. And that's where Matt Gates grew up. So he kind of grew up that sense of, you know, nothing is real. And, nothing is real. Everything is real. Yeah, does, so. does Matt think that if he walks far enough, the sky will turn out to be a painting? <laughs> I would love to ask him that question. I don't think mm. anyone has. <laughs> but at a more kind of, uh, you know, because this, this guy's a consequential figure now, isn't he? He's, he's uh, you know, very he's much now. Kind of, a lightning mm-hmm. rod in, in Congress. Is he just part of that need among the Republicans to try to kind of discredit the idea of government itself? That's an interesting question. I think it's just kabuki theater, quite honestly. Mm. I think this is, you know, I need to get attention here. Here, pay attention to me. Here I am. 
hey, I'm going to say something outrageous. Pay attention to me. And I, I think that's the, the sole goal right there. Also, I mean, one other thing that outsiders like me know is that the, the kind of Cuban and Hispanic population in uh, Florida is historically big and influential. Is that a kind of an inbuilt advantage for the Republicans? Well, they have turned it into one. They, they very smartly have gone after a lot of the Cubans in in uh, in the Miami area and have made them a, a real asset to the Republican Party. The irony being that one of those enclaves, uh, one of those largely Hispanic enclaves in the Miami-Dade area in Hialeah has the most Obamacare signups in right. the country. <laughs> so it's like we like the product of the Democratic Party. We just don't like the politicians of the Democratic Party. <laughs> I have to mention, there's also a very large Puerto Rican population in Mm -hmm. central Florida. Many of them work uh, in and around the theme parks there, and they have migrated there uh, in in mass for years. Uh, An awful lot of them came up there after the hurricane. And so there's been some battles between the Democrats and Republicans for, for their votes as well. Interesting. Obviously, I started off mentioning Florida man, which is kind of, you know, the Florida man meme. It's actually, when you look at it, it's quite cruel and has been criticized as kind of borderline racist and certainly quite classist. The star of your Florida man story often turns out to be somebody with, you know, somebody who's poor with serious mental health problems, probably possibly drug problems as well. But that said, we don't read about Georgia man or Pennsylvania man. No. Florida man is real. Why does Florida have so many Florida men and Florida women? Well, I would point you back to my original answer about the about why Florida produces so much weird news in general. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, we have, you know, we have animals here that you wouldn't find anywhere else. You know, we've got pythons, which don't show up in any other state. We've got iguanas popping up everywhere. Not another, not a problem anywhere else, only here. And I mean, popping up in people's toilets. They come <laughs> up in people's toilets. And also they, they get up in the trees. And when the weather turns cold enough, they fall out of the trees because they're cold-blooded creatures. So mm. so you have to look out for falling iguanas whenever. The, you whenever could be the, brained by a falling iguana or attacked by it. could be. And, and in fact, they actually issue, when the weather gets cold enough, the weather forecasters issue a falling iguana warning. All that said, do you have personal favorite Florida man stories? I mean, I believe there's one about, about a guy in Gainesville who got into a road rage incident and ended up running over himself. Yes, that's that's one of my favorites, uh, because we have a lot of road rage stories, but that's my favorite road mm-hmm. rage story, because think about what that took for him to run over himself. <laughs> yes, I don't think there's an ultimate Florida man story, but I think there's some that would go in. If we had a Florida man Hall of Fame, there's some that would go in on the first ballot, a historic one from the 1930s. There was an x-ray technician who uh, told everyone he was a count, a European count. He was actually more of a no account. And he fell in love with one of his patients, the beautiful Maria. And when I say he fell in love with her, I mean, he loved her beyond death. It's the point where he actually dug up her body and lived with it for nine years. And when her sister found out, she was horrified, of course, and reported him to the authorities. And he was charged with uh, desecration of a grave. But he got off because the statute of limitations had run out. That's incredible. I want to ask you a little bit just before we finish up about the kind of the, the, the culture of the state. I mentioned Carl Hyacin and Harry Cruz. For you, who kind of captures the nature of Florida best in fiction or in movies? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. There are several who do a, do a really good job. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Carl. His most recent book, Squeeze Me, is excellent. I think it's one of his best, in which uh, pythons invade the area around where a former president lives in Palm Beach. There's a, another author named Tim Dorsey, Mm-hmm. Uh, who has written a series of books. I want to say he's closing in on 30 of them now, all of them about a very cheerful Florida-obsessed serial killer named Serge Storms. Uh, he only kills people who really deserve it. <laughs> he's one of the good ones. 
Yes, and and uh, he usually finds some really good targets. Uh, he actually used the hippo from Homosassa Spring State Park as a as a murder weapon once. Well, look, I mean, I know I've kind of been a slightly kind of uh, mocking of uh, Florida's character. I don't want to be a dick here. Tell me why you love Florida and why I should visit properly. Oh, well, well heavens, uh, that's easy. I, I mentioned about the state parks. Our state parks are, you know, are better than the, the ones in any other state. That, and they've proved that four times. Our, many of our beaches are ranked uh, as the best in the nation. Some of them is the best in the world. Yeah. So basically visit it while you can. <laughs> well, there's some element of that, I have to admit, like, as you mentioned with the whole sixth sense thing, you know, there for longtime Floridians, there's a certain sense of, you know, see it, see it before it's gone. Yeah. End of days. Well, you can promote it as Miami nice. <laughs> as Dave Barry once said, please come back. We weren't shooting at you. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, Greg Pittman, thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you. The state you're in, Florida men, Florida women, and other wildlife is available from all good bookshops, but possibly not Florida school libraries. Listeners, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, don't forget the best way to ensure that there's more of them is to support us on Patreon. You'll get the show early without adverts and a whole lot more. Just search Patreon Bunker Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow for more. Hello, I'm Ross Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. The Bunker USA was written and presented by Andrew Harrison. The producers were Alex Reese and Jack Gerbertson, with assistant production from Kasia Tomashevich. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis, with music and audio production by me, Jay Bailey. The group editor is Andrew Harrison, and our marketing manager is Gina Richard. With artwork by James Parrott, The Bunker USA is a Podmasters production.